Well, greetings, Grove. I, I have got to say that we are living in crazy times. If you had asked me a month ago, if you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, if we were going to be doing the things that we're doing right now, self-quarantining ourselves into our houses, closing our schools, shutting down all the sporting events, closing closing all the restaurants and hotels and salons. I mean, if you told me this a month ago, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy. I, I think the question for all of us is what's coming next? And the answer is who, who knows? Uh, this past Tuesday night, the elders met and made some decisions for our church. And in light of the growing COVID-19 crisis, we decided that we needed to suspend our weekly worship gatherings during this season. And now in doing so, we determined that we would put together a weekly video of teaching, the, the normal message that we would have on Sunday morning. Our hope is to try and make this difficult season as normal as possible. So this week we're starting with some teaching and and a communion meditation, offering meditation and some announcements. Our, our hope down the road is that we'll add in some music and other things. Um, we're also going to be including any updates as this crisis continues, an announcement of church family news and those kind of things so that you can be aware of those as we move forward. Uh, I want to encourage you to set a time weekly to watch these videos. They're going to be up on our website or on Facebook um, by Saturday night. And then, and then we want you to gather together as a, as a family, um, even, if, even if from a distance, we want you to be joining in, like, like we're all sitting in the worship center together. We want, you to, we want you to join in, to serve, to pray, to help, and to, to continue to help us be the church that God has called us to be. Now, I know, I know many of you have been thrust into an incredibly difficult financial, uh, financial season right now with businesses shutting down for the foreseeable future. Finances are going to be pretty tight for many and you can be sure that your leaders here at the Grove, the elders, the staff, we are, we are really concerned about your spiritual, emotional, physical, and your financial well-being. And we are, we are praying for you. And honestly, we are also very concerned about the church's financial well-being. Just, just like you, the, the Grove has responsibilities and they have not stopped. They have not gone away. Our building payments, building maintenance, utilities, salaries, commitments to contracts, our copiers, insurance, computer programs, those, those things continue. And uh, we are responsible for them. And we are asking you to continue to be faithful in your giving, maybe even more generous than, than, than normal. You, you can drop your gifts in the mail to the church. You can, you can drop by the church. The church is going to be open Monday through Thursday, 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the 9 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You can drop them by the church. You can go to our website and use the online giving option. You can, you can also go to your bank and you can use uh, bill pay through, through your bank and your bank apps on your phone. So let me, let me just say in advance, thank you. Thank you for your continued support your generous giving at this time. And uh, as, as we continue here, I, I, I'm, asking, I'm asking all of us to pray. I want you to know that, that we, again, your elders, your staff, we're praying for you. Well, what, what are we praying for? Well, we're, we're praying that this virus dies out quickly. We're praying that our congreg congregation members are spared 
infection and any serious ramifications, especially our seniors, especially those in our congregation that are maybe more susceptible to this thing. We're praying that life moves back to normal as quickly as possible. And, and we, we're even praying that God uses this time to move powerfully in us and through us. The, the Bible's full of stories about how God moved in very difficult situations. And he can do that here as well. I, I believe that our God is bigger and stronger than any virus. And I believe that he can use all of this for his good and for his glory. I believe that God can draw you into a deeper relationship of trust, faith, and intimacy with him. I believe that God can use you to help other people who don't know him, to help them draw near to God, to even accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I believe the church can actually be strengthened as we grow to depend more fully on God in this time. It's one of the things that trials and hardships do in our lives. So we're, we're praying for all of that. And I want to encourage you to pray for us as well. Pray for your leaders, pray for your staff, pray for our elders as they lead and make critical decisions that are gonna affect our church body. Pray for our, pray for our staff as we not only teach, I'm gonna be bringing this every week, Joshua is gonna be working with our kids and our, and our children and our students. Pray for him as he's, as he's working, as we are working to teach and shepherd from afar. But also as we work at the planning ahead, we're, we're already as a staff working to talk about as we get ready to come back together, whenever that may be. And we're working on those plans and what that may look like. Pray that we are, that we are safe from what might come upon us as a result of this virus. And that leads me to say one more thing before I get into the text of, of, of the part of James that we're looking at today. And, and it's what I find really amazing about about God and his movement and even the study in James. And, and I want you to know that we decided to do the study six months ago. Um, last fall, we were I was on a calendar laying out the book of James. I, seriously, it was it was it was that long ago. We didn't decide to do this a week ago or that this this message this week would fall on this Sunday. Before any of the things that we are facing today were even thought about, we laid out the book of James to be preached over 10 weeks. And more, we said this week's message that I'm going to bring to you in just a few moments, this passage from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, on this date, it was set back in September. Now, when I think about all of that, and I think about all that we are facing today, and exactly what this passage teaches, I've, I've just got to tell you, I'm amazed. And what it means to me is that our God is bigger than all of us. He's bigger than, than, than all of our plans, anything that we would think. He, he knows what we need before we ever even think it. He knows what we need before we ever cry out to him. He's ever working to help encourage and move and shape and teach us. And because of that, he is, he is worthy of your trust. Even in these, these difficult days, he's worthy. So what's the topic that we're talking about today? What is, what is, what is James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12 teaches? Well, patience in suffering. When trials and suffering hit your life, the encouragement of James is to respond with patience. Now, remember who James was writing to. These were the Christians who, who had endured the great persecution that, that broke out in Acts chapter 8. Stephen had been stoned in chapter 7 at the very end, and that unleashed the Pharisee named Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, the author of like half the New Testament. 
that would unleash this Pharisee to go on a terror, terror swing through Jerusalem. That included going to Christians' home, homes and dragging them out of their houses, throwing them into jail, and eventually killing them, murdering them. And as a result, Christians were displaced. They, they lost their jobs. They lost their homes. They lost their daily security. Everything was ripped. Literally, the rug was pulled out from underneath them. And as I think about all that, again, I'm just thinking, does any of that sound familiar to what's going on today? Anyway, those, those Christians were forced to flee out of Jerusalem and journey back to their hometowns. These first Jewish Christians were the scattered tribes that James describes in the first verse of his book, James chapter 1, verse 1. Their, their, their lives have been completely turned upside down. And because of that, it's not surprising that the topic of trials and temptations bookend this little five-chapter letter of James. He opens in chapters 1, verses 2 through 18. And, and now as we move towards the end of the book, he's turning back to encourage his readers on the same topic, trials and sufferings. And in those opening verses, James was giving us practical advice on why trials and temptations are actually good for us and how to deal with them. And in the closing verses of chapter 5, James throws a new word into the mix. As you're moving through trials, as you are suffering through trials, have patience. Absorb trials and suffer patiently. Now, honestly, that goes against everything inside of me. For me, patience and suffering is counterintuitive. It goes, it goes against common sense. When trials and suffering hit my life, my first response is to try and figure out how to get rid of them. Not how to, not how to live with them, but how to get rid of them and live without them. What steps can I take immediately to rid my life of the pain and the suffering that's coming into my life? I, I'm sure you can relate. I, I have a back that, that tends to go out of kilter. My, my back is bad. And it, it, my, my back can go out in an instant. I mean, literally in a snap of the fingers. One minute I'm fine. I can, I can be moving and I can move in just the wrong direction in the wrong way. And then all of a sudden my back will seize up. And I can just, I can just feel it happen and I'll move and I can just feel it. Just, it's like going, just, I mean, it's, it's just coming upon me. I, I can feel it gripping and it literally takes my breath away. And when it, when it grips me, I am instantly, I mean, from that second, I'm instantly working to get rid of the pain. I'm, I'm putting ice on it. I'm getting on one of those massage chairs and, you know, letting, letting it rub my back. I'm making, I'm calling my chiropractor. I'm making an appointment. I, I don't sit around thinking about how it's going to be good to be patient as, as these, this, this pain moves through my body and, and I live with discomfort. No, I'm acting now to get rid of it, to alleviate it from my life. But that's not the, that's not the word of encouragement from James when, it, when trials hit our life. James tells us, when trials hit, we need to be patient. Now, the word patient, makrothumeo, is, is in the Greek language a, a compound word. It's actually two words that's put together, makro and thumos. The word, the word macro could be translated as long. Now, if you're a Star Wars fan, and Chad, I put this in here for you, if you're a Star Wars fan, then you're familiar with that opening phrase from that first movie way back in 1977. You know, it came onto the screen that said, a long time ago 
in a galaxy far, far away. Some of you will remember that really, really well. It's hard to believe it was 43 years ago. Um, and, and for me, that just seeing those words in that screen brings back some positive memories. I was just starting my freshman year in college. My family, family had driven from Los Angeles to Joplin, Missouri to drop me off in, at school. And we, we went to the theater together to, to watch Star Wars in Joplin, Missouri. It was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. When I was in Joplin, I thought I had gone to the end of the earth. So the, the word uh, macros points to both of these ideas. It, it speaks of a linear measure of distance. A linear measure of distance. As in measuring from one point to another. And this, this is... This is not just any, any length. It's not just any length of space. It's a, it's, a, it's a long, it's a long space, far, a great distance. This, this isn't like across the room, you know, from, from your chair to the chair on the other side of the fireplace. This is, this is like across the country. This is like around the world, from like New York to Los Angeles, from like Columbus, Ohio to Moscow. Now, the word is also used to describe time. It, it describes length. It describes time. And the connotation is exactly the same as, as, as the word long or, or distance. It, it, it's, dealing with, it's dealing with an extremely long time. Not four or five minutes. We're talking something that's months. We're talking something that's, that's years. And when you think of the first part of the word makros, makros you're thinking of a, a very long time, a very long distance away. So the compound word makrothumeo begins with a vast expanse of time and distance. And then you add to that a second word, which is thumeo. The word thumeo literally speaks of anger or wrath or indignation. When you're thinking of this type of anger, you're not thinking of some kind of like mild irritation. You're not thinking like, oh no, the, the 2020 NCAA basketball tournament has been has been canceled. No, you you you, you know I'm I'm going to miss the games. No, oh, I'm so sad. Oh, my life is over. Oh, no, no, no. This is something that gets you fired up. It's a violent motion that has the ability to completely swing out of control. You're so mad that you find yourself exploding, and 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 you know like I do that nothing good happens when you explode. And trials. Trials have a way of doing that to you. Trials have a way with, of messing with you, with all that is transpiring around, around us. I can only begin to imagine that there are people who are so mad that they're, they're about to do great damage. I mean, maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've heard it in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces. We, we have people here in our church who've been laid off their jobs. I, I had to tell the people that clean our building today that, that we're done for a season. We have people in our churches that have had their businesses literally shut down by the state. We, we have investment portfolios, a whole lot of us for retirements that have crashed and they crashed for the second time in 12 years. Damage is being done that may never be able to be recovered from. And, and, and the question is, does that bring anger? The answer is you bet. People are fired up. But the word of God tells us, don't get to that point. And that's this word, makrothumeo. When anger 
is exploding into your life, put it down. Put it down a long way, a long, a great distance and a long time off. The encouragement from James is to be patient. That would, that would be, be long in your response of anger. Allow a great deal of time and distance to occur before you choose to respond in that way. Patiently endure, allowing the anger to settle, to cool, to cool way down, to maybe even get cold. Allow the fires to go out before you respond. So the question is, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you live with patience in the face of severe difficulty? Well, you turn to James. James is writing to these Christians that were scattered, these first Jewish Christians that had lost everything. And as he's getting ready to close down his book, the second to the last thing he, he said was, in light of all that you're going through, I want to encourage you to be patient, to be long-suffering, to long, be long in your anger. And he makes several practical suggestions to his readers that apply straight to us today. I want to encourage you to write them down. And the first one is this. The way that you develop this patience in your life is to set your eyes on the Lord's second coming. James says, be patient then, brothers, until that time, until the Lord comes. And here's the truth. Jesus is coming again. And that thought is supposed to be a word of encouragement to us. It's a phrase that you ought to repeat to yourself over and over when you're facing tough challenges. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Why? Because that appearing of Jesus when it takes place, everything else will be put into perspective. In writing to the Christians in Corinth, Paul had this to say, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And you think about that. To a bunch of people who are suffering out here, as great as that suffering may have been on the inside, it was really okay. While the suffering may have been hurting them, the renewal on the inside was doing great things. But Paul says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The, the constant encouragement of Scripture is to live to live in this day-by-day day light of that day. And I'm telling you, that day is going to be overwhelmingly amazing. I, it, it, it will take any pain, any heartache that we live with in this day, and it will quickly put it away. And more, that day is going to be eternal. This day is temporal. That day is going to last forever. We live our lives in this day like it's all that there is. And that would really be wrong. As James says, this day is a blip. It's a mist. It appears for a moment and then it vanishes. That, that's our life, our physical earthly life. But that day is eternal. It is forever. It will never end. It will be glorious. So whatever trouble, whatever hardship you are facing today, you're struggling through today, it's worth putting it into perspective because in that day, there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more heartache. No, there will be no more struggle. The, the, the way you live patiently in the midst 
of trials is to keep your focused on that day. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And I want you to say that with me. Jesus is coming again. Come on with, with some resolve. Jesus is coming again. And then James lists a second way to live with patience, to live with this long anger, long suffering. He says, learn from the farmers. Learn from their long view of life. James Fire says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. We live right here in central Ohio in the middle, in the middle of the heartland of our country. I seed is going to be planted in just a few weeks. The, the, the ground is going to be prepared and the farmers are going to lay that seed down. And, and, then, and then three, four, five months later, they're going to come back with their, with their tractors and their combines and they're, it's going to har- they're going to harvest the, cl- the crops. And I'm overwhelmed every year by the way it all works. I mean, growing up in Los Angeles, I didn't see this. But since I've come here to the Midwest, it's been an amazing thing to watch the seed grow on the ground and then, and, and then, and then watch it just sprout and, and, watch it, and, and watch it mature. I mean, it, it's like a miracle going right in front of us. And, and, and the corns and the beans, my, here's the deal. None of it happens with a snap of a finger. A farmer plants in May with the hope of harvesting in the fall. He has to take a long view of life, which is not how most of us want to live. Today, we live in a world of instant gratification. You, you, you get online, you go to amazon.com, you order something. They, they promise to put it at your door in two days. And, and, and they're, they're, even, they're even speeding up. In some instances, they're able to put that order at your house in two hours. And for many of us, that's not fast enough. We want it now. So we're getting in our cars. We're, we're, driving, we're driving to Best Buy or to Sam's or Walmart to, to pick up what we want because, because we want what we want and we want it now. And, and when trials and painful situations hit our lives, we want the same thing. We want relief now. But that doesn't always come. Sometimes the pain that we're under takes a long time to dissipate. And more, in the beginning verses of James, we're told that trials and tribulations are really good for us. Paul says that that they are what develop us into the mature people that God wants us to be. They, They are the things that God uses to bring maturity to us in our in our in our walk with Him. So what James is saying is that we need to be patient. Take on a long anger, a long suffering approach. Be patient in how you view your difficult situation. Trust that God is going to make all things good, all things right, and he will use the situation to, to your good. Now, it leads to an important question you ought to be asking. It's, Lord, what, what is it? What is it that you are wanting me to learn right now? The coronavirus is going crazy. Randy, one of our elders, was saying yesterday here in the United States, it, 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 hit, it multiplied by 25% today by 30%. I mean, things are, things are going crazy and our lives have been disrupted. Instead of getting angry, take the long view and ask the question, Lord, what, what is it that you want me to learn? What is it that you want me to know? What is the more complete version of me that you want me to be? And then, Lord, lead me. 
And as you lead me, I will obediently follow you. I'm going to trust that you have all of this in your hand. So how do you stand patiently? How do you take the long view when you're facing trials? Put your eyes, put your eyes on the second coming of Jesus and then learn from the farmer. Take the long view and then do the third thing, which is temper your reactions. James 5, 9 says, don't grumble. Don't grumble against each other. Trials have a way of bringing out the worst in people. Short temper, short words, flying off the cuff, responding in ways that are far from godly. I mean, we're, we're, we're all amazed by the reactions of people around us. I'm, I'm sure you've maybe read about the Colvin brothers that were down in Hickson, Tennessee. Is the first, is the first death from the coronavirus was happening eight or 10 days ago. These, these, these brothers got it in their mind that something bad might be happening. And so they, they decided that they were going to start collecting um, hand sanitizer. So they got in their cars, they hooked up a, a U-Haul trailer to the back of their cars, and they went to all the local score, stores, and they, they, they literally bought every, every bottle of hand sanitizer they could find. They went to every, every store, every shop in their town, and then they started going down the highway, and they, they literally drove 1,300 miles over the course of a couple of days, and they bought almost 1,800 bottles of hand sanitizer. And then a few days later, as everything was going crazy, and you know like I do, because you were going to the store to get hand sanitizer, we were like we were trying to get it here at the church, there's nothing to be had because all these people had bought it, kind of like toilet paper. It's like toilet paper's gold these days, and you can't find it anywhere. It's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. So these brothers now have this hand sanitizer that they bought for a couple of dollars a bottle, and they're putting it on Amazon for they're selling it on Amazon for like seventy dollars a bottle. Their whole, their whole thought was they were going to get they were going to get rich. They're going to make a couple hundred thousand dollars off off of their three or four thousand dollar investment. And you might imagine the response to these brothers was not positive. Uh, I mean, so not positive that just in the last day or so they have they have sold or they had not sold, they have literally donated their, their 1,800 bottles of hand sanitizer and they're trying to, to rebuild their name. The Hickson brothers aren't alone. There are people all around us that are literally going crazy. If you've been to the store, you know the shelves of things that you would want are, are, can be empty and it's fear has led to hoarding and that has led to violent conflict. I mean, this kind of stuff brings out the worst in all of us. Fear will do that to people. And when that starts happening, suddenly there's violence and fisticuffs and name calling and screaming and yelling and ranting and r- raving. And, and James has a word for us. Take the long, take the long view towards your anger. Be patient. The golden rule has not changed. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And a day when we want to lash out at the people around us because maybe they got the toilet paper that we didn't want, maybe the better thing to do would be to not lash out. Don't grumble. Watch your reactions, temper your response. And then James adds a fourth idea into the mix. He says to constantly remind yourself that judgment is coming. Verse nine, don't grumble, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. The judge would be Jesus. That door would be that that portal into this world when he's going to get on his white horse, he's going to come and and on that day, everything will be over and then we will all be ushered to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not as only as Jesus coming back, which I hope is soon. I mean, kind of like maybe you're feeling it happened like this afternoon or, or tomorrow, it wouldn't be so bad, but, but 
as good as that day is going to be, it will in, it will usher in a day of judgment. Our attitudes, our actions, they're going to be brought into light. We will stand before God and we will give account. And on that day, I don't want to have to have a talk with Jesus about how I responded on this day. I mean, I mean you, you, you get it? I want my life to bear the resemblance of the one I follow. And I want that to be seen even in the difficult times that we're living in. So when things are swirling around you like they are today, when people are acting with less grace, with less peace, when there are crazy people hoarding toilet paper like it's gold, don't allow yourself to be aggressively negative, to grumble, to complain, to lash out. Remind yourself the judgment is coming. And not only is it coming for you, it's coming for them. And they will give an account to Jesus just like you will. And for everybody that thought they needed to have 890 rolls of toilet paper in their house, well, they're going to have to answer for that with Jesus. And on that day, that might be almost comical about how they're going to answer for that, don't you think? And then James adds a fifth, fifth thought to the message of patience. In the midst of suffering, learn from those people who have gone before. Here, here's what James says on Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. We have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Now, one of the reasons I love the Bible is because it not only gives me instruction on how to live, it also gives me examples of people who, who had to put the very principles that God encourages us to live with into action. And the, and, and the Bible is full of examples of people who suffered, just like we're doing today. And James encourages us here to take note. There were the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah, Daniel, Isaiah, Hosea. Read, read their books, read their lives, and look at how they studied. And if that's not enough, then I'd encourage you to turn to the life of Jesus, uh, especially his last day of life. Matthew 26, verses 47, following into chapter 27. Hebrews 11, I mean, that great hall of faith. Those, those people suffered. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 down through verse 33. Read it. See what Paul went through. It, and, and then right here, right here, James is telling us to look at the life of Job. It, it, it's one thing to get what you deserve, to have what's coming to you because, because you've messed up somehow. But something in us rises up to anger when it's unfair. And the Bible is full of examples of people who suffered unfairly. It was completely unjust. And, and we can learn from them. We can learn from their response. And the encouragement of James is to let these people be an encouragement to you about how to handle the injustices of life. And James adds one more thought. Do not swear. James says in verse 12, chapter 5, above all else, my brothers, do not swear. Not by heaven, or by earth, or by anything else, let your yes be yes, and your no be no, and or 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 you will be condemned. Now, this this last verse in the section almost seems well like other verses in James to be completely out of place. Like you know, it's like a curveball. Like where did that come from? 
It, 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 it doesn't belong here. Well, let me, let me assure you that that's not the case. If we, if we were to all be honest, we would have to admit that much of the suffering in our lives happens because we have, we've brought it on ourselves. We're sinful people. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we harm, we damage, sometimes to destroy. It's part of that earthly sinful nature in us. And when, and when the truth begins to come out about what we have done, our, our first inclination is to protect ourselves. Have you ever told a lie to, to, try to, to try to put somebody off because of something bad you've done. We tell whoppers to get ourselves out of the trouble we've created. I swear to God, I swear to God, I'm telling, I'm telling the truth. And sadly, in the end, that swearing just gets into more trouble. James has an interesting fix to that tendency. Don't do it. Don't swear. Don't cover up your sin. Just tell the truth. Repent where you need to repent. Seek forgiveness where you need to seek forgiveness. Settle all of this and get it done. And if you have brought the pain on yourselves, don't magnify the sin by telling a lie to try to cover up. Be a simple person. Yes, I did that. <laughs> no, I didn't do the thing I should have done. I, I, I did do that. I didn't do that. Be honest in the way you speak about the troubles in your life. Now, we're living in unbelievably difficult days. And I, I don't think it's going to be over quickly. A week ago, a week and a half ago, they were telling us three weeks. I don't think so. I think we're looking at something that's going to be 12, 15, 18 weeks long. And uh, that puts us all into a place of suffering. Nothing that, nothing that is going on around us is easy, and it's not going to be easy. And it forces us to ask the big important question, how I, will I respond in this day of suffering? The encouragement of James is to be patient in it, to be long on your anger. He's given us six practical steps to apply. The question is, what step do you need to take? Hey, let's pray together. Father, I, I just ask that you'll help us that you will help us to heed the message. Father, you're great. You brought us this passage right at the crux of when we needed to hear it. And I just pray, Father, that all of us would put the words into practice, that we would heed the words, that we would take the steps that we need to take, that, Father, we would, that we would allow ourselves to become patient in the suffering that we are enduring today that we would take the big, long view here like the farmers and that we would focus in a way that would bring you honor and glory. Father, our prayer is that you would work in us, accomplish the things that you want to do in us, and our prayer is that you would, Father, work through us. There's a world out there that's hurting. There's a world out there that needs hope. There's a world out there with questions, and maybe today, like no other day before, at least in our lifetimes, this is a time when People are ready for an answer. So help us, Father. Move us. Encourage us as you move in us and as you move through us. And that's our prayer. In your son's name we pray. Amen.